0: Hey, so I want to, yeah, let's celebrate what God has been doing. He gets the credit. (laughs) Hang around here long enough and you'll hear us say that Jesus is the head of our church. That means he's our leader. His word is our guide and his spirit is the one that does the work of changing lives. So if you're one of those 863, whether you're online or here in the room, we just want to say welcome to the family of God and we want you to know that we're here every weekend to help you experience this new life in Christ. Uh, If you are one of our committed folks who gave, served, invited, prayed during the month of December, I cannot say enough thank you to you. Um, I've been at this now for 14 years since God called me out of journalism and uh, started with the church of 40 people in Arizona and had no idea what God Was gonna do, but I have to say, in 14 years of doing this, there has never been a Christmas or an Easter uh, until this one where we gave people an opportunity to respond, and 863 said, Yes, I've believed in Jesus. It's just an overwhelming number. So, yeah, thank you for serving, thank you for giving. It is the body of Christ, and it wouldn't be happening without your faithfulness. Well, I wanna talk with you today about how to make your life better. That was the theme at our Christmas Eve service, and maybe this is your first week and you weren't here at Christmas Eve and you're wondering what we were talking about. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and life to the full. Now, that doesn't mean that if you believe in Jesus, you'll never have cancer, never have any problems, but it means that the best life possible is found in God, and it's found in God through Jesus. And when Jesus talks about the best life possible, he means eternal life. That you can live without the fear of death, knowing that when your body wears out, you're going to wake up in the presence of God, not as a hope, not as a wish, not as a dream, but as a certainty. But also in this life, because of what Jesus did on the cross, we can be free from what God calls sin. That is any kind of habit, any kind of choice or decision that harms us, harms the people around us, or separates us from God. Through Jesus, we get set free from that, and we truly get a better life. Now, whether you've believed in Jesus, or maybe you're starting the new year off, and you just thought, hey, I'll check out church. I'm not yet sure what I believe. I want to show you from the word of God how you can be guaranteed to have a better life this upcoming year. I don't mean all your circumstances will be perfect, but I mean measurable growth, In different areas of your life. Now, because we have 863 people who either believed for the first time or returned, I want to start right at that starting point of step one to a better life. Jesus said, you must be born again. Born again is simply that moment in your life when you believe that Jesus is God, when you admit that you need God, and when you call out to him to be your savior you believe that he died on the cross and he rose again, and because of that, he can forgive your sins, he can give you eternal life. Step one to a better life is you must be born again. Now let's pick up immediately after that, here's what the word of God says, the moment you call out to God for the forgiveness of your sins. And whether you did this on Christmas Eve or you did this 30 years ago, you're going to learn something meaningful today as we look into the word of God. He says this, God saved you. By his grace. What is grace? Grace is undeserved favor. It's unearned favor. Uh, If someone were to break into your house and you came home and and then the police found him and you said, "Ah, I'm not going to press charges, that's actually not grace, that's mercy. Grace is the police track them down and say, "Uh, you're going to press charges, right? You say, no, actually, I'd like to give them an all-expense paid trip to Disney World. Okay, that's grace. It's undeserved favor. It not only covers our mistakes, it gives us what we don't deserve. That's how we get right with God. That's what Jesus did on the cross for us. That's how you're saved, and it happens the moment when you believed. Not You don't have to give money. You don't have to do good deeds. You believe that you need Jesus, and you believe that he's God. You can't take credit for this, God says, because it's not really your work. You're just receiving it like a like a Christmas gift, you receive it, you open it, you didn't earn it, it's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we've done. And I love it that God spelled this out so directly, because many of us were raised to believe that to get right with God, we've got to, you know, be good boys and good girls. Uh, and God certainly wants us to live good lives, but that's not how we get right with God. Salvation's not a reward for good things we've done. As a result, we can't boast about it. Now, that doesn't mean you're not proud to be saved, to be part of the family of God. What it means is you're not taking the credit. You're not saying, look at me. Look how spiritual I am. Look how religious I am. Instead, you're saying, look at Jesus. Look what he did for me. And as you grow in him, and he changes your relationships and your career and your finances and all the areas of your life, and people say, wow, what's different about you? You say, it's Jesus. He's the one who did this for me. Verse 10 says this, you are God's masterpiece. Now, this word for masterpiece in the original language, it's the idea of something that a craftsman would spend hours, weeks, months fine-tuning. And, and from eternity past, God has been crafting you, the color of your eyes, traits of your personality, the family that you would be raised in, but your soul as well, and your spirit. And and listen to this, as a masterpiece, you've now been created anew. It's not a word you hear very often, right? It means like over again, recycled, refreshed, born again, a new life in Christ Jesus. And why did God do this? Well, in addition to connecting you to him, and giving you eternal life, and forgiving your sins... He did this so that you can do the good things that he planned for you long ago. So it's this sort of paradox. We don't do good things to get to God and earn his favor. But once we get to God and we receive our new identity, we're now scrubbed, cleaned, equipped to actually go out into the world And do things like all of you who served, gave, prayed, and invited in December. And because you gave of your time, your energy, your efforts, you took a risk at work and you invited someone. Heard of someone who invited uh, their entire, their staff. They have like 30 or 40 employees and they put Christmas invites in everyone's Christmas bonus. That's a great idea. Bunch of them came. Every one of you who did something like that, that's part of the good works that God prepared in advance for you. And if you're a new believer... God has things for you to do to reach other people, to help other people. And I'll tell you from experience that as you discover the good things that God has prepared in advance for you to do, you'll find that that is the most fulfilling thing in all of life. It's more fulfilling than going to Disneyland or Disney World. It's more fulfilling than a promotion. When you find what God has created you to do, it's the most fulfilling thing in life. In other words, God gives you new life for a purpose. God gives you new life for a purpose. As a result, your better life, the better life you long for, it's not so much something you achieve as it is something that you discover. You excavate it, you uncover it. God has already designed, He has etched into the fabric of the universe a path for you, a path that includes good things that will help other people, things that no one else can do. So, better life begins the moment you believe in Jesus, but then, better life, just like a newborn baby, it grows and it continues. And it grows as you discover what God created you to do. So here's my question for you today. Where do you want your life to get better in this new year? Uh, And I've got a visual to help you think through the different areas of your life. And you'll learn pretty quick I'm a car guy. So I just had to put this on the wheel of a car. I couldn't help myself. I want you to think through these different domains or areas of your life. And as you do, I just want you to think you've got a brand new year ahead of you. Where do you want your life to get better? Maybe there's pain in one of these areas and you want to alleviate that pain. Or maybe there's opportunity in one of these areas and you want to leverage and take advantage of that opportunity. Is it your vocation? Vocation is so much more than work. God wants you to to have a vocation in life where it's not just like, oh, I have to do this thing to pay the bills. I hate every day of it. He, He has A calling for you, a career for you, or if you're a student or a retiree, or maybe your calling is to be 100% dedicated to raising those children for the Lord, that's your vocation. Is that an area you want to make better this year? How about your family, your relationships? I know as I've set my goals for this next year, my number one is just I want to love my wife more. I want to love her better. I've had, Mel's, as long as she's known me, I've had goals. And she's always been on there. But this is the first year, if I'm honest, like that's my first one. Now, I'm not saying that's everyone's goal. But for me, as I looked at this wheel, I'm like, I want to love my wife better. That's my first goal. Maybe you've got a relationship with a child or another relative. Or or maybe it's a coworker or someone else where uh, you just want to improve that relationship. Would would you right now just think about your life for your own benefit? Where do you want to see it? improve in this next year? Maybe it's your finances. Maybe you're just dreading the credit card statement that's going to be coming soon from Christmas and you're like, oh my goodness, how are we going to pay for all of that? And wouldn't it be great if you had a life where you were living on less than you made and you were free to save and you were also free to bless others? Wouldn't that be awesome? Uh, What if it's your physical health? Or maybe it's your inner life. That you just think, my, my level of internal peace, I want, it, I want that to be better. Is it maybe your spiritual life? Now, I'd suggest to you that just like this wheel, there has to be a balance between all these domains. And for example, you could be killing it at work and be making a ton of money, but if your inner life is a mess or your home life is a mess, you're going to be kind of limping along. You're going to have a wobble in your wheel. Or in other ways, if maybe you've got your physical life together, but you don't have your spiritual life, you know, you're working out seven days a week, you're buff, you feel great, but inside, you don't have peace, you don't have joy. There's a balance across all these domains. And because each of us is crafted differently, it looks a little different for each of us, but in which of these areas would you just right now just pray a prayer to God and say, God, I want to see you work in that area of my life. In this new year. If you could see measurable improvement in one of these areas, which would you pick? And right now, would you call out to God to ask him to help you? Uh, Because here's what I have experienced uh, for the last 20 or so years of my life. If you put Jesus at the middle, put a cross at the middle of this wheel to represent it, and I know that might sound corny to you if you haven't experienced this yet, but if you'll put Jesus at the middle of your life, and if you'll put the word of God as your standard for what you do and believe and how you make your choices, and when it comes to your finances, you say, God, what do you tell me to do with my money? When it comes to your marriage, you say, God, what do you tell me to do? And When it comes to your physical health, to all these different domains, if you will, one area at a time, say, God, show me how to do it, you will start to see one area at a time growth and improvement. And just like the wheel of a car, as each month goes by and as each year goes by, you're making some difficult choices sometimes to do it God's way. You're dying to self sometimes. You're making some sacrifices. But as you do it His way over time, it, you grow and you grow across all these areas. And so the life that God has for you in Jesus, uh, yes, it's salvation and it's eternal life, but it's so much more. It makes a difference now, it's tangible now. And you can feel it and experience it now. You will see God grow you if you will commit to engage here every weekend. Uh, Engage here, whether you do it online or in the room. Make a commitment that says, I'm going to be engaged with the word of God every weekend. And here's why. Because in the course of a year, in fact, just in this upcoming month, we're going to cover vocation, family. We're going to cover your inner you. And over the course of a year, we're going over all of these areas. And one weekend at a time, God will show you, here's what to do in this area. And you obey him. Not me or a human, but the word of God. And as you do that, one revolution of the wheel at a time, you start to see growth and maturity. Well, I think we'd all agree, no matter your background, just simple observation, that a better life results from better choices. Uh, The irony is with every diet plan, with most financial plans, the people walk in and they already know what food to not eat and what food to eat. They already know that if they exercise more, that's good for them. Or they already know, well, you know, if I spend less than I make, I'll probably have money in the bank. And if I spend more than I make, I probably won't. We all know that. Isn't the struggle not in the knowing, but in the choosing it's in the choosing, in the, in the fray of emotions, and we're fatigued, and the, the, you know, the choice is just right there before us. The, the problem is the choosing. So here's the question. How do you find the power to make better choices for that domain of your life where you want to see improvement? You probably already kind of know some of the choices you need to make in that area, and probably you've tried before. How do you find the power to make those better choices in your relationships or in your finances or in your career. And this is the the beauty of being born again. You see, before we're born again, this is the loop of our choices. We have our behavior, and then our behavior shapes our identity. And this starts from the time that we're kindergartners, we do the right thing and we're told you're a good boy, Or in my case, did the wrong thing and was told over and over, you're a bad boy, or you're a good girl, or uh, you're a bad girl. And what we do shapes our identity. Our team wins the championship, and I'm a winner. My team loses the championship, and I feel like a loser. Or maybe right now in the world of social media, especially for our young people, they put a certain thing on their Instagram, and based on the likes and the comments, they feel like, well, that's my identity, that's good, people like that. The problem of this loop, and it's universal to humans, is that it's a heavy weight, because your dependence, your acceptance, your performance depends on you. And if you have a bad day or a bad post on Instagram or you were the good kid and you messed up, all of a sudden that affirmation, that approval, that acceptance is gone. And it's a heavy weight to wake up every morning and have to perform like it's the Olympics every single day. Now, we're all a sum of our choices, so I'm not saying our choices don't matter. What I'm saying is the most important choice you can make is when you believe in Jesus, not only does He forgive your sins, but He gives you a new identity. And He actually flips this wheel upside down like this You now have a new identity as a son or daughter of the King. You've been forgiven, you're bought with a price, you're eternally secure, you're loved, you belong. You're a masterpiece in God's eyes. This is who you are. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to go out and and show and prove and get people's attention and affection. That you already have that. And now instead you get to behave out of your identity rather than your behavior shaping your identity. And the irony of flipping this upside down is that when the pressure is off of us and we have new life in Christ and the Holy Spirit living inside us, we're actually able to make far better decisions out of the joy of who we are in Christ and the faith of the new nature that we have rather than the fear of, oh no, if I get it wrong, everything will fall apart. In God, your better performance, your better choices... They flow out of your identity rather than the other way around. If I make these better choices, I'll have a good identity. God puts it this way in 2 Corinthians 5. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person, born again, anew. The old life is gone. So you no longer are a slave to those old patterns. You no longer are a slave to those addictions. You're no longer a slave to that brokenness. Now, your body's been used to it for years and years, so there's still going to be a draw there, but spiritually, the the chains have been broken. The ties have been severed. You're no longer a slave to it. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And just like an acorn starts to sprout up to become an oak tree, that new life, it needs to be watered. It needs sunlight. It needs to be nourished. And that's what you get when you're here, engaged every weekend. And then as God shows you, here's a group to get involved in, or here's an area to start serving in, you're watering and you're getting sunlight for that new life. And over months and weeks and years, the revolutions of the wheel, you start to see God grow. It, at first, it can be a little lopsided. You're seeing major growth in one area. In another area, you're still you know, the old pagan or whatever, but you just keep being faithful. And over time, he smooths it out. And none of us get perfect until we get to heaven, but you will be amazed if you'll stay faithful to the process, faithful to the word of God at what he'll do in all the different domains of your life. So whether you're a brand new believer or you've been a believer for 80 years, I want to just remind you today a few promises of this new identity that you have in God through Christ. And when you know this identity, it will empower you to make the better choices so that you can experience God's best in that domain of your life where you said, I want to see God work this year. Here's the first promise you should know. In God, you are accepted. In God, you are accepted. We all yearn for acceptance. Uh, It's an innate longing, and it can be a dangerous longing, because sometimes we move to a new school or a new city or or a new workplace, and we long for acceptance, and, and human nature is to latch on to the first people who accept us and affirm us. But the first people who accept us and affirm us aren't always the healthiest people for us. And probably most of us, if we look back over the seasons of our life, there was at least one season where we were really close with so-and-so or that crew that we'd party with or whatever, and it felt great because they accepted us, but, but really they weren't the best influence on us. This is why uh, in inner cities, young men get involved in gangs. You think like, well, you know, why would a person say, I'm going to spend my life you know, in, in a career where I'm likely to get shot or end up in prison? <laughs> well, they can't find acceptance anywhere else, and then along comes this group of guys It says, you're accepted with us. We all long for this. What you need to know as a follower of Jesus is that you have this in God. And yes, you get it from us as followers of Jesus less perfectly than from God. But hopefully we're getting more and more like him every day. But in God, you have perfect acceptance. Look at this in Psalm 139. Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart. So think about this. God, every day, is examining and not in a critical way, but as a, a loving parent, he's examining all the inner desires, all the different domains of your life. What does that tell us? It tells us he cares. He's, he's watching. He notices you. It says in verse 3, you see when I travel and when I rest at home, you know everything I do. Now, if you don't know Jesus, the thought of God knows everything I do is kind of a scary thought. But when you know Jesus and you know, okay, God sees me through the lens of Jesus' work on the cross, he knows everything I do. It's a lot like me with my kids. I, I sometimes I can see it coming that they're about to mess up, and it doesn't shake my love for them. Verse 4, you know what I'm gonna say even before I say it. It's funny, now that I'm a pastor, sometimes people will swear on me in the like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't care. But it's so funny to think, like, God knows everything we're gonna say before we say it. He knew every sin I would sin in my lifetime before I was born, and He already chose to love me. The same is true of you. God knows everything about you that you don't know. You know, uh, I've noticed with young couples, uh, when they're newly married, it's not uncommon if they come in for marriage counseling that one of them says, you know, they were, it's just like they're a different person now. Like There was this person I dated and the person I was engaged to, and now this is just like a different person. Like I feel like they were lying to me about who they really are. It's very common, by the way, if you feel that way. The reason is we all put our best foot forward because we all have a whole list of things that we think, if so-and-so knew that, they would reject me, and we hide those things. We conceal those things. You realize God knows all those things, and he still likes you still loves you. Verse 5, you go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. This is like the imagery of a a patriarchal grandfather, a a really good-natured St. Nicholas-type grandfather, loving. And here comes the grandson or granddaughter, that's you, and they pat them on the head. And in this culture, not only was that uh, sentimental and emotional, but it was a blessing. And God is saying, I know everything you do. I know everything you've said before you've even said it. I know mistakes you're going to make that you haven't even made yet. And I pat you on the head and I bless you. And I love you because of who I am. God sees all of you, likes you, loves you, and wants to help you. So when you want to make your life better, don't run away from him. Run toward him. And when he says in an area of your life to do something that's really uncomfortable, you can trust him because he sees more than you. He's been at this for longer than we have. (laughs) He knows human nature. He knows what we need in our marriages, what we need in our finances, what we need in our inner lives. He knows what we need. Another promise for you in God, you are intended. You're not an accident. Ever feel like you're an accident? Like, you know, maybe just cosmic universe, random ingredients, I'm just an accident. You're not. You were intended. Maybe you're like me. I'm the youngest in my family, and my parents told me my whole life, like, well, we weren't sure if we were going to have another. And then when we got pregnant, because the other three were boys, we really hoped it'd be a girl, but then you came along, you know? (laughs) Maybe you're in a family where, like, your your parents outright said, like, you were a total accident, like, you were not intended. Or maybe your parents or your siblings haven't said that, but maybe you just feel that way in life, feel like you're an accident. You need to know that you're not an accident to God. God intended you. He intended to create you. He designed you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Look at verse 13. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I want you to imagine for a moment that you're in a a helicopter and you're flying over some remote islands. I know I've never done that, so I'm using a lot of imagination here. But I want you to imagine that you're flying and it's just you and the pilot and you look down on the beach and you see this SOS written in sticks and rocks on the beach. And you point it out to the pilot and he says, yeah, that's interesting. And he just keeps flying. You go, know, aren't you going like to call the Coast Guard? Shouldn't we launch? And we He's like, well, no, I mean, there's billions of waves, billions of waves, thousands of years. Sticks and rocks, you know, they can just wash up like that. <laughs> and we chuckle because to form just three letters takes intelligent design, it doesn't just happen by accident. You realize the complexity of your body is way more than three letters. The fact that with the most advanced science of our day, they still cannot with nanotechnology make things that heal themselves like the human body does. Get a cut today and it scabs over and a week or a month from now there's new skin there. How? Who designed that? Someone designed you. Did you know that every single cell of your body, each cell, contains not only three letters of information, and we're all familiar with DNA and RNA and the information that is coded into each one of us to determine your eye color and the shape of your nose. Each cell of your body has enough information to fill 1,000 books that are 600 pages each. That's in each cell. How many cells does... An adult human have, on average, about $15 So we look at three letters on a beach, and we say, there's intelligence there. Don't fall for the lie that the beauty of who you are came about just by mere accident. God designed you. One of my favorite verses, whenever I'm dealing with insecurity in my life, Jeremiah 1 verse 5 says this, Before I formed you in the womb... I knew you, and I just love that, because we tend to think like your mom knew you before anyone else knew you, but God knew you before your mom knew you. He knew you before he gave you a physical form in your mother's womb, and the bottom line is this, you are valuable. God says it. At the cross, God proved it, and nobody can refute it. So as you make your better choices in that area of your life, you don't need to make those better choices to try to prove that you're worth something or try to prove someone wrong. You can make those better choices because you're worth loving, you're worth caring for. God wants you to take good care of yourself. He wants you to live in freedom. He wants you to live a healthy life, and he wants you to fulfill The purposes, the good works for which he created you here in this world. It actually honors God for you to take good care of yourself in this way. Third promise for your identity, in God you are gifted. You're gifted. Now I know the way I was raised is like if someone said they were gifted, we were all taught to look at them and judge them for having pride. Like how dare you say you're gifted. But as I've read the word of God, I've come to learn that all people are gifted and specifically all believers in Jesus. The moment you're born again, that new life God deposits into you what he calls spiritual gifts. A teaching is one of them. Worship is one of them. Giving is one of them. Administration is one of them. Mercy is one of the gifts. Hospitality, making people feel like they're at home. There's all these gifts. And when you trusted in Jesus, he gifted you specifically for the good works that God has prepared for you to do. I've got a, a, maybe a little bit of a silly illustration for this. And some of you are super smart and you're already gonna know these three things. But I've got three examples of things that you've probably seen in your daily life, but they have features that you didn't even know about. At least, us normal people, okay? You super smart people, good for you, okay? <laughs> Here's the first one. Uh, when you're in a rental car or you're driving someone else's car and you get to the gas station, you're like, which side is the filler tank on? I mean, I've done this before where I have to put the window down and I like crank my neck out and I'm like, is it on this side? It's a Japanese car, American car, German car, sometimes you can sort of know by that. But actually, there's this little hack. On most cars, there's a tiny little arrow. Right there next to the little gas logo, and that's the side that your filler cap is on, okay? Now, those of you who already knew that, good for you. I, I didn't know that, and I'm like a big-time car guy. I read that, and I was like, wow, that's, that's great. Could have saved me some, some neck exercises. <laughs> Here's another one. I remember uh, as a kid drinking pop, soda, Coke. I know it's a big argument depending on which region of the country you're in. Is it pop? Is it Coke? Is it soda? Yes, okay? Okay? Yes. Did you know that that little tab is designed to swivel around so you can drop your straw in there so that your straw's not bouncing back and forth? I had no idea. I had no idea. Okay, one last one. Do you know when you get saran wrap or foil, and it's on that roll, and you pull it, and every time you pull it, it pops out of the box? Did you know that there are actually push tabs... At each end of the box, you can push those in, and they will anchor that axle, if you will, that little cardboard piece in there, so that it doesn't pull right out of the box. Okay? Hopefully you learned something new in church today. (laughs) Features that many users don't even know about. Here's my question. If there were a designer who made you, who could help fix the broken parts of you, who knows features and strengths and gifts that you have that you don't even know about yourself yet. If there were such a designer who could fulfill you and give you overall purpose and significance, would you want to know? That's what we get through Jesus. And when we're born again, we now have this new life and it's this opportunity one day at a time one weekend at a time, to keep experiencing God. And I'm telling you, uh, I, I mean, if you would ask asked me when I was a journalist, I never would have said, oh, I have the gift of teaching. I would have been like, no, teachers, not me. I was always getting in trouble in school, okay? But that's a gift that God put in me when I was born again. And you have a gift that matters just as much. And I'm telling you, when you find that gift and you start using it regularly, it is the most fulfilling thing in all of life. And you get to wake up on those days that you use your gift and you just know, like, this is what I was created for. I was driving by a farm yesterday and there was this dog out running and it was just at like full gallop. It was like an Australian shepherd or one of those breeds that they can just run and run. And I was watching it just, you know, stretch its muscles and, Full speed. And I was just thinking, like, that's what God wants for every person. He wants you, like, running in the path of His commands, just galloping in the good things that He has prepared for you. Psalm 139 I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So not only are you intended, but you're built with a design, you're built for a purpose, and you have one lifetime to discover your design. Or to just numb yourself away, numb yourself away with medication, with substances, um, with a screen, with spending, with just what does everyone think of me. You could spend your life, just numb yourself away, and, and, and years pass by, and then decades pass by, and you just miss out. You never live at full gallop. Fourth promise about your identity in Jesus, in God, you are Guided. In God, you are guided. God guides and supports you when you seek Him. And He'll do this in every year of your life and also in every season of your life. I didn't realize when I was a teenager as much as I do now the seasons of life. You've got a middle school season and a high school season, you've got a college season, you've got your 20s, you've got your 30s. Here's the thing. Each season, once you finish it, you can't go back and redo it. And that's kind of fun for a while, but then you get a a few more seasons behind you, and you're like, whoa, 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 I better start getting some of these seasons right, because I don't get a chance to redo that decade or that season. The beauty is, in God, you get a guide who will support you and lead you through every season, through your 80s and 90s, as well as through your 18 and 19. Seek God consistently. Submit to him, and he will lead you along his good path for your life. Now, there's this, I think, misconception when it comes to living a good life. And the misconception is this. uh, If I mean well, if I have good intentions, everything will work out in the end. It's one of these great fallacies that most people believe, but they've never scientifically tested it. Because the reality is, one in two marriages end in divorce, but I guarantee 100% of them, they walk down the aisle and they're not thinking, boy, I sure hope this ends in divorce. They mean well. We mean well you know, in our finances, but people still end up in bankruptcy. We, we mean well, but our intentions aren't enough. And I'll give you a, a real-life example of this. Here's my family on a recent road trip. As amazing as Mel is... Somehow, I managed to get in fights with her. There's something deeply broken in me. And I know some of you are like, what? The pastor and his wife have disputes and disagreements? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we do. And uh, probably one of our best ones of 2021 was on this particular road trip. We were driving down to Florida at fall break. And uh, we had had some issues with one of the tires on the vehicle, and I was tired, and we were behind time, and we were on this long stretch of road where it just seemed like there was not any coffee places at all. I really needed some coffee, and so I asked Mel, like, hey, can you just, like, you know, Google search, internet search, you know, some kind of coffee place. So she finds this place. It's like JoJo's Coffee or something. It's the only place. And as the internet does, it has the hours, and it says that it's open, and it has the address, and it says it's 12 minutes away, but we have to get off the highway. So we decide to get off the highway. And after about five minutes, we realize, like, we're just on these winding back roads going who knows where, probably into some horror film. (laughs) And we keep going through the winding roads, and it gets to, like, eight minutes, and I'm like, this is not looking right. And she's like, well, it's what the map says. And at this point, it's like four or five minutes to go. I'm like, well, let's just see this thing through at this point. We keep going. I kid you not. It takes us to a tiny cabin on a lake. There's nothing around, and there's no one at the cabin. There's, there's no open or closed sign. This is not even a business. This is someone's home. <laughs> Somehow it's listed on the internet as JoJo's Coffee, and it's open and has great reviews. Was a little upset. <laughs> One of the kids afterwards might have said, Dad, did I hear you say? <laughs> I was like, man, I thought they had their headphones on. <laughs> That's me without coffee. Now don't worry, Mel and I, we we patched it over. We've learned to, we've learned to forgive and forget pretty quickly on those kind of things, or at least forgive and move on. So, Here's my point. Your intentions don't get you to your destination. Your directions get you to your destination. Andy Stanley put it this way. Direction, not intention, determines destination. So you can tell me the kind of career you want to have, the kind of marriage you want to have, the kind of finances you want to have. That's great and pretty much meaningless apart from the direction of your life. Show me the steering wheel, Show me the direction the wheels are pointed at, and I can tell you the destination you'll end up at. It doesn't even matter if you don't even have that strong of intentions. If you've got the direction set right, you'll get there. And we know this in the physical world. Now, I'm not saying intentions don't matter, but what I'm saying is intentions aren't everything. You've got to let your intentions set your direction so that you actually get to your destination. Otherwise, you're going to end up at JoJo's Coffee. And that's probably not that big of a deal on a road trip when you just need a cup of coffee, but if it's your career or your first shot at a marriage or your inner peace or your life legacy, it's a big deal. And yes, have good intentions, bring them to God and then do what God says. He'll set your direction so that you'll actually end up at that destination. Nobody intends to have a life of terrible consequences, but we look around us and we see a lot of people whose lives have a lot of really bad consequences. They didn't intend those, but they made choices in that direction and it led to that destination. So here's my question. What will your destination be for 2022? It depends on your direction more than your intention. And here's what I can promise you, the guarantee I give you. If you will engage with us here every weekend, if you'll say, "Uh, here's how I set my direction for the year, I'm going to be in the house of God or engaged online every single weekend, you will learn what God says about your vocation. You'll learn what God says about your desire for a marriage or for your marriage, for your parenting, for your finances. And week by week, you'll hear from the word of God and you'll have a choice. And if you will do what God says you'll be amazed at how it actually applies to your financial goals, to your family, to your relationships, and that's what we do here. That's why we gather here. We worship Jesus, but as we do, we are transformed. We surrender and we obey him, and it makes us more like him, and it affects all those areas of our lives. So let's look back at the wheel. I asked you earlier, identify one of those areas. And I just want to give you right now two very, very simple applications. If you really mean it, if you really want to see God's better in that area of your life, step one, commit. You're going to be here online or in person every weekend. We used to say unless you're sick or at home with the flu, but now with online, you can still watch. It's Great. Second, I want to encourage you to commit to a next step in that area. And so what we've done to help you with this is we've set up a really elegant tool that you can use right now, even if you want to pull your phone out now, you can go to cp.news. If you go to cp.news on your phone, you're going to see a button for each of these areas that we talked about. It's the domains of the wheel. You want to grow in your spiritual health? You can click on that. We'll invite you to be baptized if you haven't been. We'll invite you into our next steps class. Even if you've been a believer for years, our Next Steps class, or if you're brand new, is perfect for you. If you want to see God work in your family, click on that. We've got a family conference coming up here in February, and it's going to be amazing. We're going to laugh, probably going to cry, and our marriages are going to be stronger. We're going to be better parents. You can sign up for that today. Finances. We've got three different financial classes that kick off this month. And every year, this is not an exaggeration, every year, dozens of people take these courses and pay off collectively hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt, cut up many, many credit cards. It's amazing. Every year, you can learn God's path for your finances. You could start to serve today. If you say, well, there's not really a pain point in my life, but you want to start to discover your gift, then click that serve button. Relationships, you can click the relationships button. Physical health, we've got a fitness center down at the other end of the building. If that's an area you want to work on, we'll get you a membership for that. So I'm going to do something that I did at Christmas Eve, and I'm just going to ask you all to pull out your phones real quick. And I really want to encourage you, step one, be here every weekend. Step two, whichever of these areas that you want to see God work in, at least click on it now. You can fill out the form or whatever later if you want, but but set the direction. Because intention will not guarantee your destination, direction will. And as a born-again believer, you now have the power to follow God in a new direction. You're free to keep your eyes open and work on your phone while I pray if you want. Okay, but I'm going to close this out here. Father, I just want to thank you for how you've changed my life. Father, I thank you for the parade here. This uh, church is really just a a living, breathing movement of people. And we've each seen you transform uh, addiction to freedom, selfishness to selflessness, taking to giving. You've changed our identities for the better. You've changed our inner peace for the better. Lord, I just pray right now for every person online and in this room, all the domains of their life, would they surrender to you? For those inner needs to be accepted, to belong, to know that they're gifted, to be guided, would they look to you? Lord, would this next year be a year where we find everything we need in you, and as we obey you one week at a time, may we be transformed into your likeness, Jesus. We pray it all in your name, amen.